strange uh, sensation. Okay, we should be live now. Oh, hang on, setting up. Have you got the Bulldogs on the hell yeah? No. Phone going. I'll get score updates as we go. I'm not super duper confident at the moment. <laughs> the bucking down, Tom. Okay, we're live, we, we are we are live now. So, um, stop swearing. Three, four, three people watching, Welcome. and we've got and we've got a like already. And we haven't even started. Is it Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> sitting there, wait, sitting there waiting for us. Oh, hang on, I've got my audio on. Oops, let me get rid of that. Robert's there, Sheila's there, David's there. Hey guys, just gonna hang in there. We're up to eight people, so Rob's confused because it's it's not Thursday evening. <laughs> Hasn't he been paying attention? Yeah. <laughs> and shouldn't he be at work? That's because he's not at work anyway, so Okay. And I'm just posting not. what I'm just posting what we're doing. Oh, pin pin comment. So I've just posted a comment and a link to that video about what is AFL for anyone who wants to know what it is. Do you up to eighteen people? That's the link that I clicked on to watch, and then found myself three hours later. Just watching <laughs> hit after hit, mark after mark. Okay. I'm guessing another, we're going to have more, uh, a more Australian audience now, given the time zones, yeah. and, um, which yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's... When... Okay. Okay, you're in Tanya. Roberts hasn't been paying attention, he just said. Um, Ryan's on. Hello, Ryan. Ryan's just agreed to do a, an episode with us next month, so I think he's just watching now to see what he's let himself in for. <laughs> Oh, well, do you want to start him? We're up to 20 people already. So. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll start by just introducing everyone. Um, uh, I'm sure most people in Australia probably know you guys anyway, but just for, for people who don't, and then we'll kind of crack on. Um, delighted, really excited for this one. Uh, nervous and excited personally, because I, I didn't know anything about NFL a week ago, and I still don't know anything about NFL. But what I do AFL, know, AFL, uh, uh, AFL, 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 AFL. Uh, there, we, there we go, there we go. <laughs> what I do know is there are 18 teams. Uh, we are fortunate enough to have, and every single team has a podiatrist, and within them, that they've, they've uh, developed this, this AFL Podiatry Association, which just sounds like an amazing model that so many other sports and, and countries can learn from. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. We've got five people on at the moment. I think we have a sixth joining us. So a third of the teams uh, podiatrists are with us. So thanks so much to all of you for, for joining us. Just run through your names and your teams. Um, Benny from the North Melbourne Kangaroos, Emma from the Western Bulldogs, Nikki from the Hawthorne Hawks, uh, Todd from the Geelong Cats, Tom from the Adelaide Crows, and not here yet, but joining us later will be Rick from the St Kilda Saints. Hopefully I've pronounced all those correctly. So thank you so much for, for coming, and we might just crack on and, and field a question straight to Emma, if that's okay, because I'm, I'm reliably informed that without her, this AFL sort of podiatry association probably wouldn't have, have ever really taken off. So... Uh, Emma, do you mind telling us a bit about what this association is and, and uh, how how it all came about and how if other people are looking to do it, they could possibly take steps to do that as well? Um, yeah, look, I guess a lot of us already knew each other. So of the a lot of us were already friends um, just through sort of professional networks, et cetera. And based on modelling from the AFL Doctors Association and AFL Physiotherapy Association that already exists, um, we thought we'd sort of come together, form our association, um, increase our professional network amongst ourselves, and then that provides us an opportunity to 
you know, cross-reference, develop our skills within our own group, increase our professional profiles as individuals and as a profession. So increase that sort of profile of pods who are involved in sports medicine in elite sports teams and then hopefully provide future education to any new podiatrists who come on board and work with the current AFL teams or future AFL teams and also provide professional education to other podiatrists out there who are working with other footballers at any level around Australia. That's awesome. And, and it doesn't happen in any other sport, even in Australia. It doesn't happen in rugby, uh, to your knowledge. I think the others might be able to correct me, but I think I'm correct in saying there's no other podiatrist association within it. NFL, uh, sorry, NRL or anything like that either. No. Yeah. You're not that I know. Yeah, actually, can, can I just say, I think I, I've been lucky enough to visit with an NBA basketball team, with a European soccer team, and, and obviously travel a lot and talk to a lot of podiatrists all over the place. And, and from what my observation is, the, the level of podiatry involvement in AFL is way beyond literally any other professional league in the world, let alone other codes within Australia. And, and that was part of the motivation for actually wanting to, to, to put this together. So I think that's... Yeah, you know, and I think that's what we want to hear more of. And I think the fact that this association ex- is, exists um, is testament to that. Yeah, I agree. I saw I saw some photos on social media of you guys all together as a big, you know, uh, AFL podiatry team. I think you had, was it, I don't know it was a, an annual meeting or a CPD. Uh, I think uh, Bish was there doing a talk. Um, is that going to be? A, is that like a, a little conference for you guys, or do you guys meet regularly, or because like, you're still friends? So I can continue answering those. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry, 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 Emma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. The awkward pause. Um, that was officially <laughs> a meeting as a collective. So I said we spoke about this sort of. It's probably the idea of forming a formal associations being thrown around for a year or two. Um, we've caught up with each other at different conferences, and finally we got it off the ground towards the end of 2017. So uh, I think it was three weekends ago we met um, for you know, PD day, so to speak, where everyone came to Melbourne. I think we had 15 clubs represented, which was pretty impressive for the first day. And the plan is to move that forward, making it an annual event. Awesome. So I've got a question. I'll, I'll try and share the questions around now. I've uh, got a question for, I'll, I'll send it in Nikki's direction, if that's okay. What are the demands of, of um, uh, an AFL team on on podiatry. So, are you there every single day at the training grounds? Uh, are you going in once a week? Are the players coming to see you in your in your private practice? How does it work for people that, that aren't involved but, but want to know that? So, during the season, um, most of us would be there one to two hours a week. So, reasonably small commitment compared to what a lot of the other um, medicos in the team are doing. Um, the physios often laugh and say, oh, your job's so easy because you only have to be here for such a little amount of time compared to us having to travel with the team every weekend. During the pre-season, you know, I've got to get through, we've got to get through screenings for 44 players. So we do, um, we all kind of, you know, between 15-minute, half an hour um, screenings with each um, player where we have a look at their shoes, um, current injuries, orthotics, um, biomechanical assessment. I video everybody as well each year just so I've got it there on reference. So um, it's difficult sometimes in the pre-season because the players are away a lot as well with training camp. So I try and fit in where I can. So some weeks I might be there for, you know, six or eight hours getting through some screenings and other weeks I'm not there at all. Um, but my commitment for the season um, is for the home and away season is only 70 hours. Um, and then once we get to finals, if if they needed more time, then um, you know we just we just go along from there. But yeah, about seventy hours, which works out, um, you know, pretty well, gets us through the home and away season. And then um, the players will come and see me in my private clinic if they need any other help, um, you know, during the week when I'm not at the club, or I'll get phone calls and things like that as well. So. Um, what's my game commitment or what's our game commitment? Um, I think across the board, um, none of us have really got a game day role. Um, I used to go down sometimes if they needed some padding and taping before the game, but we've got three physios now, so I'll often get that sorted during the week and, you know, give them a heads up on um, what sort of tape we need and and do the padding during the week as well. So um, I'll sometimes just go and watch the game, which is fantastic, um, but no game day role. Yeah. But I think the city does. Um, oh. Michael Kingston. 
Sure. I was just follow up one comment you made there, and you said something about um, when the finals come around, you just take it from there. You've obviously had a lot of experience in the finals. I've been to the finals. For, that, for those that missed that joke, <laughs> Nikki's obviously works with Hawthorne, who've won three of the last four finals or something like that. Um, We've had four premierships since I've been there, but just okay, yeah. <laughs> counting. The difference. Correlation, correlation, causation. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask a, a screening question? I might just send this one over to Tom, if that's okay. Um, sure. What sort of screening do you do at the club? Because in, in, in obviously in, in all sports, there's this big debate about screening the uninjured players and the, mm. the lack of predict, predictive models we have of injury. Yet one of the most common ones we use in the UK in soccer is the lunge test, which I believe I'm right in saying... Um, came out of some research that was on uh, AFL, uh, in the AFL setting anyway. So what sort mm-hmm. of stuff are you doing for screening your your sort of young or uninjured players? What sort of tests are you regularly doing? Yeah, really good question. Uh, straight off the bat, well, that, that would be one thing that I would look at as well. Um, it would be an ankle lunge test. But we, um, I heard sort of Nikki say, when we were talking about this the other week, where you might spend you've got 45 players to get through. You've got um, players needing to get on the track. So so time can be against you when you're sort of going through this process as well. And I, I sort of spent a long time on my initial screening that I did um, at the club when I started three or four years ago. And I've actually workshopped that each year. Um, and I've you know, cut things out, added things in. And it also has to sort of fit in or tie in at the same time with with the medical screening and, and also a physiotherapy screening. So I don't want to be doubling up on tests, for example, as well, that they'd be looking at as well because, you know, we're getting sort of, you know, one that's obviously not efficient and, um, uh, you know, two is obviously time. So um, getting back to you, so specifics, um, I guess for me is, it's it's really it's really hard. I, I, initially, I took things like I tried to find okay, what what reliable what reliable tests can I look at? But you find yourself just getting information for the sake of information. You use foot posture or something like that, and or like I found myself, well, what's the point in doing this? Especially for especially for uninjured people. So it really for me became largely about footwear, um, about um, uh, um, screen. I guess joint, you know, generally joint ranges of motion, things like that, um, any sort of history of previous injury, basically finding anyone that needed follow-up at that particular point. That's sort of the purpose of the screening, I guess. So um, I've probably tailored it a little bit, for example, to use an example, tailored it a little bit more recently in that using, you know, depending on how many sort of new recruits you might get each year so you know some years you might not have any and other years you might have more and and spending more time with them because it's their first exposure to that environment and bringing them up to speed with I guess sort of what their requirements are for example from a footwear point of view um um straight off the bat and this this might be for you know um young men that are 18 years old so they might have had you know one pair of boots that lasted them a season from mum and dad and now they've potentially got sponsorship, they've got access to a lot more product and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of it might be just an opportunity in the screening to touch base with a player and start that education process as well. Does that sort of answer the question? Yeah, Tommy, I use use that as as well. I reckon it's a really good uh, uh, time to network, not to network, to build that relationship with the new players as well. And like you're saying, often they've been screened by the physios or the strength and conditioning. So you're the third person in line. But uh, getting that education into the new players especially and, uh, and I suppose following up on anything that the physios or the, the doctors or that might might target for you and say, look, uh, can you have a look at this player? We think X, Y and Z and, uh, and follow it up there. So, Yeah. The other, the other point I would make as well that I thought of is that often when people have asked me, well, what do I do in that process? They've perhaps they think that because it's an elite environment as well, we, we do these, you know, complex 3d gait analysis on every player as a screening or something like that. And it's quite the opposite. You're actually trying to find the one percenters to sound cliche, but you're trying to find the really small stuff that needs following up on as well. And that might even be skin lesions. That might be sort of 
a, a player that's having issues with blistering because of a shoe fitting issue that yeah. needs following up. And that, that, that sort of stuff can be vital and be really important. Um, when their training loads then um, progress and, and, and get um, that, that they're not having an issue that some a really simple issue that could have been, um, that could have been followed up. And that's obviously a, um, a win-win from the screening point of view. That's a really interesting point, Tom, because I had uh, an experience where the, uh, a draftee on day one at the club presented, we were doing a screening and he hadn't mentioned it to me, but I was like, looks like you've got an ingrown toenail. And he's like, oh yeah, I had that treated six weeks ago. And, and so that, that something as simple as that meant that we had to coordinate when we were going to perhaps do something about that when he could have some time off legs because he was going to be running you know, more and more as the um, as the preseason went on, but we wanted to get that first month of preseason out of the way before we sort of took him off legs for three or four days. So it can be really simple. Mm. Actually, can I just yeah, ask yeah. Tom? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, Tom. You, yeah, sorry, Tom. You just mentioned something about you, you're not obviously doing 3D gait analysis. I vaguely recall a few press stories over the years about some clubs buying 3D gait systems, but no one's using them, are they? Or was that just media hype at the time? Not, not to my knowledge. No. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm. Yeah, it's. I, I know some clubs did purchase them, but um, it might, didn't go anywhere. I think the thing with screening, the thing, the the talks we have, you know, with our group physios, medical S and C, is is really, you know, making sure that whatever we're doing from a screening point of view. It has a purpose, and then it, there's there's some follow up. We just don't create, you know, a whole bunch of information about um, a profile of someone which which is meaningless or not or not used. It then, sort of becomes pointless, which is challenging. Yeah, mm. like, well, we can't. We don't. We got. We got to do something. But you know, w- yeah. working out what we, what we do. And I'm and I'm talking more perhaps biomechanical, you know, muscle strength, joint range of motion, all this sort of stuff. Sure. Mm. Um, it comes in nicely to one of the questions we were asked uh, beforehand, which was the question on the sort of the spectrum of things you're seeing. You know, people think about where they, they watch the game and they see how physical it is and they're assuming all injuries and it's sort of sexy, sort of musculoskeletal problems. And I, I saw that one of Collingwood's players, Daniel Wells, has just done a Liz Frank and that, that's very, sort of, a, sort of a, a big injury, so to speak, a, a possible season ender. So, what sort of stuff? I'll, I'll point this one to Todd, if that's okay. What sort of stuff are you seeing, sort of uh, week in, week out? Is it all MSK, or is it, like you say, a bit more uh, sort of skin lesion stuff, or just a, a mix of the, of the two? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting um, thing in that I think it's. Um, I'd like to think if I've done my work in the preseason and got things sorted the way I want them, then I should be just managing little bits of skin lesions and nails and things like that in season. Um, and hopefully your work that you've done in that pre-season means you're not working as hard um, in season. But the types of, or the most common types of injuries, I suppose, I've written a few down. Those, obviously, Achilles uh, and plantar fascia stuff seems to come through in that transition where the guys go out of running shoes predominantly and, and into boots. Um, and that's an interesting transitional phase. You're still seeing some... Um, Halix Limitus, Halix Vigidus in some of the older guys in particular and having to manage that can be, can be problematic. Um, sometimes we've had a, a couple, um, that I can think of, you know, midfoot sprains and, and Daniel Wells is the, the one that everyone's talking about at the moment where he's had that, that least frank. Um, and even some guys with intermetatarsal lesions versus neuromas, those kinds of things. They're probably the, the common things that we seem to see. Um, as well as the, the skin lesions and uh, nail issues um, being stood on, particularly in the ruckman. The ruckmans tend to trip over their own feet and stand on one another's feet, and the nails tend to go a bit gnarly as uh, as they do. It's a it's a pretty dynamic game, Ian, as you you might have seen on the internet. And it's we're saying three hundred and sixty degree contact, um, a lot of twisting and turning, and the players get up to speeds of you know thirty six kilometers of an hour, and then they've got to also run the midfielders up to fourteen kilometers in the game as well. So I sort of try and explain it to people: you're you're running a half marathon, 
every 200 meters, you're getting bashed up or wrestled, wrestled to the ground. You've got to get back up and then you're having people jump out of the trees and knee you in the back as well. So there's a lot of loading going on. And it's, uh, it's a bloody tough game. So there's, uh, there's plenty of uh, work definitely in, uh, in our job as well. Yeah. Actually, just, just on that, um, Ben, about it being a tough game, it's really interesting, especially like obviously my background interest has always been in rugby, but the, the same with an AFL. Like, like it used to be known as a as a hard game played by hard men, but now, and, and this is the, the, the change I think is happening most, but it's now a place of work and work, workplace safety has now become a big issue. Um, so it's not the sort of... I mean, you look back at some of the old clips about when the people get concussed, um, you know, it, it, they carried on. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's a yeah. game in uh, pre-season games they take out to the regional centres and uh, yeah. try and expose it to the country guys. And there was a game in Wangaratta one year that uh, I was part of and the, it poured with rain just beforehand and we were all getting ready, getting stripped down, ready to go. And uh, the... Benny Gall, who was the head of the Players Association at the time, <clears throat> walked out in the ground and, and actually called the game off because it was an unsafe workplace. So, And that yeah, was probably that's... early 2000, and I reckon it's getting more and more like that. Uh, and yeah. it's true. These guys are getting paid huge amounts of money. Uh, they've got big sponsorships, and uh, if yeah. they're uh, off the field for eight weeks because of a hard ground like a certain player, then uh, you know they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, it's just that whole focus on workplace health and safety. Yeah, it's on the sporting field in, in, in a big way now. Yeah. We we had a question about um, about footwear, about the, the footwear award. Um, might point this one towards you, Ben, if that's okay, as, a, as, as, a, as I know you used to play, play a little bit as well, uh, as, 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 as I was told. Um, for those for that for those of us in the UK that that uh, haven't seen much much um, much AFL, are they identical to football boots in their design? If if so, or if not, you know, what, what are the requirements of, of the footwear worn during AFL based on the way you just described the sport? Yeah, it, very uh, very similar to the <coughs> the soccer boots. We call it soccer. You guys call it football. Sorry, but, soccer. No, <laughs> um, but uh, they. Uh, <clears throat> The only footy boot brand that's made for AFL is actually ASICS. And uh, we had the ASICS uh, rep talk to us a couple at the uh, association catch-up that we just recently did. But um, you're right, you need, same as soccer in terms of you need to have that grip and that traction on the field. And the field can uh, vary from a really hard ground pre-season where um, you, I suppose, want to go for softness and short studs to middle of winter, softer grounds, the rain's coming down and you sort of need that extra traction. So maybe go for a longer started boot in that regard. Um, we had a discussion as well, and we, we all thought that the, the boots are starting, or the, especially the um, European-styled boots, so you know Adidas and Nike, are getting very slim fit and very, uh, very narrow because the soccer players like that bit of extra touch and feel uh, and being a bit more lower profile on the ground. So um, we've had a spate recently of, of plantar fascia injuries and, and forefoot injuries in the AFL and, uh, and heel fat pad injuries as well. It's, um, uh, maybe it's due to that that the, a lot of the, the European brands have gone pretty slim fit and, um, and not getting that protection that, from the footwear that they, uh, we normally have. Yeah. And obviously the, the challenges that we then get when we're trying to put something inside the footwear, um, not, you know, from, from an accommodation point of view. Might, might actually divert this one to Emma, just because I feel like she hasn't spoken for very long, if that's okay. And also, because I, I know she's got links with ice hockey, um, another sport renowned for people who like their boots very, very tight. So when it comes to foot orthoses, uh, do you find players putting up a bit of a fight if you, if you want to squeeze something in what's already quite a slim-fitting and tight boot? Look, you, you're always going to have in any sport players who like to do their thing. Um, it's my nice way of putting it. But look, some boots are better at, it's my polite way of putting it, some boots are better at accommodating, you know, inserts, heel lifts, orthoses, anything you add to a boot better than others. Um, it comes down, can we remove that sort of shoe liner or sock liner to find a couple of extra millimetres of depth to use? Again, as Benny's just mentioned, that, um, you know, some of those European boots are becoming slimmer and tighter, which is, restricting and limiting sort of the room to move within the boot. You add a foot, you add something else in, and the boys sort of do find the boot a bit too congested and snug. So you do what you need to do and you work around it and you start making lower profile devices if you need to or worst case you um, you politely bully the player into changing the model of boot they might be wearing if it's a medical requirement. 
Our, um, our physios do a lot of taping as well, Ian. Um, so I'll okay. often find at our club that we'll, you know, do a low dye tape, for example, when they're in their low-profile boots. And then, um, you know, probably at training during the week, if I can get them doing a bit more in a grass cat style or, you know, sitting in their runners when they're at the gym, then we protect them at those other times. But a lot of the, our players don't like having too much inside their boots unless, you know, like a really low-profile prefab. Heel lifts we can normally get away with a lot of the time, but... Um, yeah, using tape is, is massive for our club. But it's obviously working for you when it comes to finals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, any, 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 any rough estimates on percent, percentages of, of the entire um, AFL players that might be wearing devices? I, when I often speak to, to lay, lay patients that play football, soccer in here, when you're trying to give them something, the first thing they like to know is how many of the Premier League players are wearing these. So any any any, any ballpark numbers? I might um, who should I stitch up with this one? T- Tom, what, what do you think? Thanks, any, mate. Any... <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd really be stabbing that. Perhaps as you, as you answer, ask the question, I actually thought we'll probably goes for any issue whether it's a prefabricated device perhaps a heel raise any other sort of padding or insole anything we're sticking in there that has a is going to have a mechanical effect so um probably should be considered i don't know 50 percent is that or is that too high i don't know guys <laughs> help me out um, oh. <laughs> i'd have uh, 40 percent i reckon in it at uh, north that we're either an orthotic or a form type of uh, device in their boots yeah. I was going to say about 25 at our club, but a lot of them have got padding. I often grind a stud off, you know, under their first MTP joint, um, put heel lifts in, modify heel counters if needed as well. Um, but probably from a device point of view, we'd be about, yeah, 25. Yeah. Yeah, 25 is about our rough number. Well, about 25%. But if you were talking about some form of in shoe or boot modification, it could be closer to. 60 or 70%. But. So, so they'll be wearing those orthotics on the game? Or that, became... that varies, yeah. Some yeah, do varies. and some just prefer the feel of tape. It's, that's a um, case-by-case scenario, I think. I think the players that need to wear them often understand. And we've had a situation at our club where you wish you'd been able to get them to put something in earlier from a preventative point of view, but he didn't want anything inside his boot and then ends up with a more significant injury as a result. And now he's wearing them in his boot. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's a situation that you often is a little bit frustrating, I suppose, but um, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Actually, that leads into a question that um, we, we've just had. And, uh, um, oh, hang on, I've lost it. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Um, I've just got to refresh my screen. It was a question from Simon Barthold, and it was actually directed to you, Ben. Yeah. Um, but actually, actually, before I get to that, he's also made another comment. I think it's directed at you, Emery. He said, power currently up by 33 points. Is that your game? <laughs> <laughs> um, the point that was... Currently playing. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay, no, the, the question that, that Simon asked, and it, it follows on nicely from... The, the, the orthotic question about alternatives to foot orthotics um, and, and what Simon said is that since kids uh, or the younger players are taught to keep the centre of mass low, which can induce a specific gait style for running, that might have implications for things like hamstring strains and can affect speed. So do you, any of you guys get involved with gait retraining, especially sprint coaching to reset this? So he sort of directed that at you, Ben, but I just, you know, anyone can chip in. <laughs> Yeah, look, um, as as uh, I think it was Nikki commented earlier, we're only there three or four hours a week. Um, and so, as Simon will know, with the gate retraining, you've actually got to be there every day and giving the players verbal cues and really working with them one-on-one for a uh, significant period of time. Um, he makes an excellent point, and uh, I'm sure that the, um, the feedback that we give to the physios and the strength and conditioning guys, uh, you know, would... If we saw that as an issue, we'd uh, definitely pass that on. But that'd be the ones that mainly drive that because they're there day in, day out. Mm. Are they doing much of that? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a lot of them. Especially, I suppose it's more so after an injury or something like that. They'll see, okay, why did we have an injury? What do we need to do to offload this area or to strengthen up another area? Um, and if they can find a deficit somewhere, um, change their gait retraining, change their uh, gait style a little bit, then um, uh, prevent an injury 
occurring, um, I think uh, that's where that, that type of um, facility comes in. I find it really um, really interesting looking at a new player when they're first drafted and they, you come in and they do their first screening with you to then 12 months down the track or even another couple of years down the track look at the changes in their gait. But that's mainly related to the strength stuff that they are then doing as part of being at the club as well, that they'll get a natural improvement in their running technique as a result of being stronger when they've had deficits as well. So that's all identified through the screening and through the strength conditioning um, team as well, um, you know, particularly their proximal strength as well. Yeah. Kind of depends how you define gait retraining as well. Perhaps where I, I would I totally agree with what Ben said, but probably more often than not, our physios and strength and conditioning staff and doctors, etc., you know, addressing things through more through load management and and type of running and type of training that they're doing, which has implications on their mechanics and their gait, rather than actually training them to run a different way. Um, is that is that fair? Is that is everyone yeah, agree with that? Yeah. 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 And also, I know that in our environment, it's a, a, a case of you know staying in your lane. You know, your scope is is what you are here to do is actually related. We've got a sprint coach that we you know employ for three months of the year through the pre-season. If we think that the, the gate retraining is something we want to focus on, then that'll be something that they address. But me, I'm, if I'm only there twice a week, or you know, two hours a week, um, it's not going to be something I. Delving to. Right, Sorry, I'm just catching up with the comments. Um, loads of questions that have come in off the back of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've just got to say something Bartold just said about you. He, he said this was more a question to do with learning to sprint with a sprint, a sprint coach. Bloke like Benny busting through the middle with competitors in his wake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Simon should have helped me. I went to him as a youngster and uh, my gait didn't improve one little bit. So uh, <laughs> he's got some, uh, I could have played 300 games if he'd helped me out. <laughs> um, Craig, while you're working through those questions, just a quick one I've got off the back of some of the things that have been said. Obviously, you guys have got this this, this really unique and amazing setup where you're all at, at different clubs, but you're all friends, you're all speaking, you're all meeting. Um, um are you? Is there any plans? Or are you currently? Do you collect collect any data for for research purposes? Any plans in sort of um, doing any kind of studies or gathering any kind of epidemiological data to, to sort of publish at a later date? Given that you're in this unique position where you could you could essentially do it as an entire league uh, team. Um, I might ask that one, Emma. I might ask Emma that one as the as the big boss, so to speak. Yeah. Look, it was discussed at our PD day last month that. The AFL does um, release an injury report each year. That's primarily the doctors and the um, the team physios data. And we did sort of discuss, should we do a, um, a lower limb foot um, injury report, so to speak, because the AFL one isn't quite specific as to what injury. It might just say, you know, foot injury or ankle injury. Um, so it is sort of in our discussions and plans. We are fairly sort of um, new at this as an association, but I think it would be beneficial to start looking at, you know, what are those foot injuries, like breaking them down to actual um, diagnosis, et cetera, and then working out, you know, can we use that in relation to book uh, boot education and things like that? So it's in the, in the infancy, but, yes, we'll be starting to look at doing something in the future, I think. Yeah, that, that's interesting, Emma. Just the, there's one a question or comment that, that did come in. Um, what, what is your view there seems to be anecdotally be an increase in foot injuries overall. Things like plantar fasciosis are on the rise. Is that your impression, or um, I'm not sure if it's an impression or it's actually happening or it's being uh, given more attention. We might find because of ground reports and things like that, it's been given more attention. I've been okay. at dogs four years now. I wouldn't say I've had a dramatic increase in foot injuries. Um, you know, every year there's a stressy or two stress injury, things like that or two, but. I wouldn't say I'm sort of in panic mode that, you know, my guys are breaking down with lower limb or feet injuries um, at this stage. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm just, just sidetracking into a totally different area. I just want to share my screen for a moment. I just Is this want to show you. Wikipedia page again? Uh, no, it wasn't that. Um, <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to comment on this and then ask a question about this. This is um, a book, probably one of the better books I've read recently about, athletes sacrificing their health in the future for wealth and fame now. So it was, I think I sent you a copy, an extraordinarily fascinating read. Mm. 
And I remember quite a few years ago, we, when I was still at La Trobe, we consulted on a, with a, for one of the clubs who had a player who had a rupture to the lateral collateral ligament of the first MPJ. And he was playing every game with a local anaesthetic. Um, so I just wanted to get some comments on the ethics of doing something like that. Um, I'm sure if the news media got hold of that, there might have been a bit of a uh, storm going around that. But the, the logic was they were going to get him through the season with playing with a local and operate at the end of the season. And um, we were asked, well, do you think anything in his shoe is going to help? So we did a whole lot of testing and couldn't find anything. Um, I can't actually remember the player's name, but we probably shouldn't mention it. But I just you just get some comments on, on what you think of that kind of approach and how much that sort of thing goes on. Ben's getting ready. Uh, look, the, the doctors are very uh, careful these days. There was a, a mm. famous incident with a Geelong player, um, Egan, uh, who, who had a navicular, tried to get back for the grand final. Uh, they were going really well. And uh, he ended up breaking down and, and not playing footy again. And um, he actually then ended up suing the doctor and the girl along the way. And um, it's, uh, it's made the doctors a lot more cautious with all that yeah. sort of stuff stuff uh they don't push the envelope at all uh, and more recent times this concussion incidents is going up as well and they're super super cautious with that as well so i'm finding that uh yeah the doctors will educate the players really well they'll um alert the pros and cons and everything they'll put it in the, they'll give their two bobs worth and make sure the players totally clear on that and then they'll uh sort of say to the player if you want to go down this path you've got to you know basically uh give it the all clear not sure about others. Yeah, well, that, that player, that player I, I mentioned, we talked to. He, he was very accepting of, you know, what was happening to him with the lo- local. And I, he, you know, God knows what that joint's doing now. Ten years later, um, I'll give you this though, Craig. One of the players at North has uh, a, a pair of or a boot sponsor who's giving him fifty thousand dollars to wear the boots. And uh, I'm trying to get him out of these boots, and um, <laughs> he, he's very reticent to do it. And um, he's trying to make me work every way, every which way, to get these boots more comfortable for him. And mm. I sort of say to him, "Look at your career. It's this, it's that." And uh, not sure what, what would you do. That's an interesting point, though, isn't it? In that it is the it is workplace. You know, we're, yeah. we're big on workplace safety, and so yeah. um, and and if we're talking about occupational footwear in in any other realm, we're kind of giving people occupational footwear, right? Mm-hmm. And, but then when they're being paid to, to wear these boots, that, that kind of muddies the waters, I think, somewhat. We have a few players um, that, are, you know, are in that situation. We have one in particular who wears a, um, a boot that's sold commercially, but he has a different upper material on it. So it looks like what they're selling in the stores, but he's actually got a leather upper rather than synthetic upper on it. And then we've had a player for years who's no longer with our club that had a big sponsorship with um, one of the brands and he needed um, some wedging in the back of his boots. So um, we would have to send them away um, to get the boot cut, to get a 10 mil lift put in the back of it where he could have just changed his boot brand and it would have been a hell of a lot easier. But, you know, that's all part of it. We spoke about that at our conference that it's probably one of the most challenging parts of um, working with a professional team is that they do have footwear sponsors and yeah. that's part yeah. of the game. Just on that sponsorship, did you say $50,000, Ben? Is that the kind of money we're talking about here? Allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I'm just a bit like if it was a few thousand, yeah, you probably would forego the shoe. But yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of money to forego. Yeah, is that the same they're paying you, Ben? Is that the same? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> I had to pay for my boots, mate. <laughs> um, and, but actually, but may, 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 maybe that book I just showed on the the athlete's dilemma, yeah, you know, that athletes sacrificing their their current health for future, sorry, their wealth and fame for future health should be compulsory reading for them all. Mm. <laughs> um, it's, I reckon it was a very fascinating book. Um, um, just further, um, to, sorry, Craig. Just further. Sorry, to, no, go ahead. Yeah. Just further to the sponsorship. So the players are um, entitled to two pairs of runners and three pairs of boots that, through their um, 
bargaining agreement. So I don't know the exact word for that, but that's um, what the club need to provide for them each season. So if they can't wear the brand, if you believe for a particular medical reason that they shouldn't be wearing the brand that the club um, are sponsored by or recommending for them, um, then we're able to um, recommend any any brand of boot and any particular style of boot that we think they need and then the club need to reimburse them for that. So that's only come in in the last probably four or five years um, and that has made life a lot easier um, for being a club podiatrist as well. Okay. Sorry, we just, we've just had a question literally on that. Can, can I ask, uh, Vishan's asked about the, the injury risk because they have to wear the boots they have to wear because of sponsorship. So we've sort of touched on that. So that was um, quite timely. Uh, quick, quick question for me. I'm just drawing parallels with my experience with, yeah. with professional footballers. Uh, some, some of the players, depending on who they are, you know, there's, there's like a hierarchy. You can, they can pretty much... Get, if they're not Adidas, they can get flown back to Germany and they'll pretty much make whatever you want with inside the boot. Is that commonplace in, a, in AFL? Is it just is it just certain players? Because I mean, hearing the stats that Nikki just said, they're about two pairs of runners, three pairs of boots for the season. I mean, some of these Premier League footballers probably probably do a different pair of boots every week. Um, so clearly, the money is is probably not that different. I'm from what I've read, the the big guys over over your way get paid massive amounts. So the the boot companies really helping out here are they are they playing ball or only with the big name only with the big names yeah so with a player who's got an individual sponsorship with a brand um they might change their boots every two weeks you know they'll go through 20 right, right. pairs in a season whereas the younger players would probably go through the three pairs um that the club okay. provide for them so it sort of it differs i suppose on their profile got, got you makes sense makes sense um so there was a question about uh, af LW, which I'm guessing is the, the Women's League. Um, it's just gone off my screen. It was Daniel McManus that asked it, Craig. Can you find me? Yeah, yeah, about yeah no, I've got it right here. Yeah. Yeah, did, did, just any, any different injuries, any different issues? Do you, I, mean, I presume you were involved with the women's teams as well? or um, not, all, not all clubs had a women's team with them. But Em's probably best place to answer that. She's... Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, Emma. Yes. Yeah, so Bulldogs have got the AFL women's team, which you know I'll just will say congratulations for their championship since Nikki's had it. <laughs> <laughs> take it while take it while you can. <laughs> yeah, and no, I live the dream while I can. But um, no, look, the women. I am involved with the women's, but not as heavily as the men's program. So the men's program, I'm contracted to be there weekly. The women's, the way I work with them is I come in and do that pre-season screen with the um, women's roster, and then sort of on a needs basis, they get sent to me clinically. Um, injuries, I think a lot more of the girls' knees have been in trouble, so a lot more ACLs. Uh, that's a physical build. It's sort of, I think there's still sort of, you know, stats being thrown around, research being thrown around, whether are these girls getting more sort of, you know, those um, ACL-style injuries because they're not accustomed to the high load and they're not accustomed to the contact, the torsional side-to-side nature of the AFL, um, or is it actually a physiological difference between, you know, the guys and the girls? But um, in the sense of injuries, I think the ones I see, spoke of it earlier in the discussion, that it is the, it's the nails, it's the blisters, um, quite a few Achilles blow up and things like that. But I guess, you know, what it is, I'm, I'm seeing quite similar sort of um, outcomes between the men's and the women's sense of injuries. Okay. Would, Emma, would you screen, would there anything you do in the screening for women and men that would differ? Would you screen them differently? Uh, probably just because of time restraints, it's probably a, forgive me, but a faster screen with the girls. Um, there's a lot of, the girls are new to AFL. Um, a lot of them have come from club level or the tier two, which is the VFL level. Um, so it's easier, I guess, to screen the guys when they come in because each year you're screening the 44 guys on your main roster, but you've probably screened over half of them the year before. So you're working off some base data with the women. The last two years I've screened them. Um, their rosters changed significantly from the first year to the second year the league existed. And these girls have never had the attention they've had. They've never had a podiatrist screen them. They've never had an SNC. They've never had a physio screen them. So I spend a bit less time with them, but I probably am prescribing them runners for the first time in their life. I'm, you know, sorting out their footy boots and recommending a model of boot for their foot type or biomechanics for the first time in their life. So it's sort of a more basic screen, but bigger outcomes for the actual individual girls. And, the result and the thanks from the girls was quite sort of astronomical. They're not, they, they would send you messages saying, thanks for tonight. Thanks for sorting my runners and boots because 
they've simply never had this much attention and care given to them. So that was one, I guess, reward for myself um, that they did do listen, they do want to learn, and they do appreciate what you do. Yeah. Um, I've also I've got another question. It's probably best for Emma, but actually everyone can answer. It's just about this model again. I just can't get over how cool this model is that you all that every club has a podiatrist and you all know each other and you're all friends and there's no bickering and you get together. I just, I just really love the idea of that one day making it to the UK within our outdoor sports like football, rugby. How did it work? Were you all, did all clubs have a podiatrist first and then you all kind of got together and said, Hey, let's form this. Or did you, did you decide, was there an association before every club had a podiatrist? How, how did it work? Um, I think, so in the sense of in recent years, all the clubs have had sort of a assigned podiatrist. Um, Quig, uh, Nikki might be the best one to sort of respond in the sense that in the earlier days that not every club did have a podiatrist assigned. So it's a more modern thing that each club has, you know, their contracted podiatrist. Um, but look, it honestly is that we do cross paths at, you know, the Sports Medicine Australia Conference or the um, Australian uh, Podiatry um, Conference, etc. We know each other. We're not scared to communicate with each other, discuss cases confidentially. Um, I think the physio association is a bit more tight-knit that they don't wish to share, you know, I got my player back in five weeks from his hamstring and you took six because I think they're a bit more scared to share the, the trade secrets on how to get players back recovered faster. But I guess we're all just fun, cool people and, you know, it works for us. <laughs> We um, had a unique situation where um, at a sports medicine, at Olympic Park um, Sports Med Centre in Melbourne, there were five podiatrists. Um, ben was a bit more recent with North, but um, the rest of us all worked in AFL club already. So we'd help each other out a little bit. If someone was on holidays or if you had an idea to bounce around, we actually help each other. And I just thought it's Right, you know, there's. It was just always someone to chat to about, um, you know, whether you, if you needed help with something, it didn't matter what team they played for or who they were. It was just a patient, and um, so that, you know, that was a really nice environment as well. And then this is an extension of that. Yeah. yeah. And I think. I just, oh. Sorry, go. On. I was just going to say when at the last SMA conference, it was such an enthusiastic, energetic group that we shared ideas in that forum and uh and this was a natural extension of that and as nikki said we're as a starting point we're trying to support one another um so that even to the point where there's a little bit of uniformity about what we do um from club to club so that if, if you know because of the way player movement works in the afl um i could i could end up with um three of nikki's patients from this year coming to, to Geelong for next year, potentially. I'm not sure which ones we're going to target yet, but um, I'll let you know. Um, but, you know, so if, if we do some things completely different at Geelong to what they do at Hawthorne, then that kind of throws things out. But if there's a, a degree of uniformity across the competition, it, it reflects better on the profession, I think, as well. Yeah. I'm desperately trying to work out how we... How we how we would do this in England? How we would do this in the Premier League, for example? I might have to. Oh, that's probably an offline conversation for another day. But, um, <laughs> I'm happy to have um, call with you. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, I mean, I mean that. Um, I've had a question here: Who wins the finals this year? Yeah, I don't know who wants to take that one first. Kangaroos. No <laughs> <laughs> messy. Uh, it's very tight at the moment. We're we're in the mid-season uh, break, I suppose. The clubs have a, a week off to um, rejuvenate, and uh, still very very even. Any club on their day can win. Um, so up in the air. We can't. Anyone else got anything? Tommy, the Crows going all right? Yeah, back into the season maybe. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, just on that point you made before, Ian, about establishing the group. I, I guess we've also got a large percentage of the competition or teams are based in one part of Australia being Victoria. So those guys knew each other well. Um, and I knew most of them like, like Emma pointed out and Todd pointed out through SMA conferences and things like that. So really the group was then sort of born pretty quickly because it's, let's just, let's just sort of formalize this because we're sort of all meeting once a year almost anyway. Let's, let's, 
um, get the ball rolling and actually formally meet and create something. So that's probably where that, that in, in that sense, it, it, it made it pretty easy, I suppose. Yeah. To get it, to get it, it happen. Should, it should be easy in England because the, all of England is about half the size of Melbourne or something. Really. <laughs> yeah. right. so, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I can't see how we couldn't get this to work, but yeah. I wonder whether there's a, polit- a politics to it that, that would hold it back that you guys don't seem to be bound by, which, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, that, we'll, we'll talk about that more for sure. Any other questions, Craig? I, I, there's well, of, I, I, um, I've actually, I've actually got well, a comment question, but it's actually a Geelong related question. So let me just share my screen again. This, mm. Now, I can't access this. This is, the, this is the Geelong advertiser. It's asking me to subscribe. Um, but it was about this story here about uh, um, the – oh, it wasn't that one. It was, it was about a, a – a, a, I can't remember the player's name. He's currently got plantar fasciitis. But the reason it came to my attention was that Robert Harvey got a mention in the article. And pretty much every time any player in the AFL seems to get into the news media with plantar fasciitis – Robert Harvey's name comes up and I, I can tell by the reactions, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. We're talking about the Harvey floor banger, um, <laughs> which for those that don't know the story, Robert Harvey had a chronic plantar fasciitis, perhaps with a partial tear. And he decided to jump off a table of great height to turn into a partial rupture, which promptly healed up and he got back playing. So um, the things that players do and, and it, it's, it, it's, we're talking. What, how long ago was that? Fifteen years at least that happened, but it still it still comes up in the media. So, um, hang on, let me just stop my screen share. So, I just wonder if you've got any comment on the on that kind of approach. I mean, how do you manage plantar fasciitis or plantar fasciopathy or plantar heel pain? Have, what do you want to call it without a, doing a Harvey floor banger? <laughs> Anyone want to take that? Clubs used to only do calf raises. That was their only foot and ankle strengthening stuff or and associated uh, squats and lunges and stuff. Whereas now at North, we get Sue Mays, who's an Australian ballet physiotherapist, coming in and doing some uh, individual intrinsic work you know, with the players one-on-one in the preseason. They've got a, a, a dedicated program that they've got to do before their weight session or gym session. And any boys with... Uh, Previous foot and ankle pathologies, they've really got to, um, again, uh, focus on that as part of their training. So I suppose that's that preventative pre-season uh, conditioning that uh, we hope plantar fascia doesn't yeah. do. Sure. Do any, any, of the, any of the players ask you about what Robert Harvey did? Does it come up? or? Oh, I'll, probably, I'll probably hear it in my clinic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of folklore, that story now. Oh, I know. It's, it's yeah, it, it's... Oh yeah, I, I, I it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think patients when they got the Google heel pain, plantar fasciitis, mm. etc., it comes up, and it's patients yeah. bring it up more so than footballers to myself. Yeah, okay. yeah, same. Yeah, I just uh, tell them that uh, he had a stress fracture in his metatarsals three weeks later because he uh, <laughs> lost his foot. <laughs> and that did, did, did he? Did he? I didn't know that. No, nah, I don't think he did. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> <to> scared them. <laughs> <laughs> on a rumor if it's true yeah 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 but but it, but it did heal up really quickly after he ruptured it and you know it's um and uh, i think there's a heap of taping as well though uh craig yeah. and, and whether he had orthotics or not i'm not sure but um i'm sure yeah. there was a pretty restrictive taping method that was applied for the rest of that season i heard a rumor he had a pair of arts uh, footwork you would have paid a bit for them then yeah. <laughs> um, Craig, I have exhausted all the questions here, and I'm conscious yeah, that if I ask anything else, I'll look foolish. So I'll, over to you. Yeah. No, there's been a few other comments, a few other questions that we've, we've sort of covered, but I, I, I guess I think one of probably them we've did actually just touch on this just before, but a, a good way to end would be what about the new graduate who actually wants to get involved with the sports team um, down the track? So, what advice would you go? So, perhaps if we just go around the screen. Um, Perhaps start, well, in my screen, Todd's in the middle, so perhaps start with you, Todd. What advice would you give to a new graduate who wants to work with a sports team, not necessarily an AFL team, but a, but a sports team, where they should go, what they should do? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And I know my involvement sort of started while I was still playing at, at country level and and from every second player asking you about oh, what should I do about boots and what, what runners should I be wearing or I've got these blisters and that hands-on experience in, in a in at country level just pr- prepares you to graduate. We're not doing anything radically different um, in the AFL landscape that I was doing, um, what's that, 15, 
about nearly 15 years ago at, um, in country footy um, and getting some, some experience in that environment is probably where I would start and, and that helps to build um, your reputation and um, and your capacity to deal with some of those things. Yeah. Tom, Tom what would you say? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess all of us... <clears throat> Um, without speaking for everyone, we were probably all at a stage of our careers where there wasn't really anything out there when we finished. And I know there's, um, and I don't actually know what it involves and I'm not involved with it, but I know there is a sports um, career framework that's come out now as well. Yeah, that's about, Yeah, which is sort of in its infancy, but um, there's people working their way through that. So that's a good starting point. Um, and like Todd said, probably just, just getting involved at any level. Um, um, is probably a good starting point. Immerse yourself in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ben, we know your pathway to getting there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, or be an AFL footballer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a really good, <laughs> good head start. So. Right. There was the old, the wise old grey haired Simon Barthold once said, uh, just get down to the. Um, your local footy club, it might be the pucker pun your thirds and just get involved. You're not going to get paid anything for it. You're not going to, uh, it's going to be cold, wet winter nights, but the more you get in, emerged in that environment, bouncing off the local physiotherapist mm. there and working with the players. And that's invaluable, that experience. And I think that's a, a really good tip for the graduate that wants to get into that sports mode, um, to, to try and just go to your local level and work your way up. Mm-hmm. Nikki, <laughs> we've got. Um, I've got a, a new graduate that's working at my clinic, and um, she's going to start doing a little bit of work at Morris Footy Club next week, which is our local team. Um, you know, go down and and just be around mainly with the junior players to start with, but hoping to do some screenings through there um, next year. And and again, you know, we share our templates, and we spoke at our meeting that we had a couple of weeks ago about whether we do up a, a standard screening template that, you know, younger podiatrists or, um, you know, people that want to get involved in teams can use um, to see what we actually um, have all found beneficial and we'll all put that together and then they can take that into the club as a bit of a starting point as well. But, again, you know, getting down, I started with doing some footwear talks um, and some screening with um, Werribee Footy Club, you know, initially and, and enjoyed it and then eventually, you know, if you hang in there, the opportunity comes up. Um, to work with the more elite team. Sure. Emma? Um, look, my background, I was involved as, you know, a wannabe athlete, a team manager, a coach, et cetera, in uh, athletics and hockey and footy, et cetera. Um, and I, I climbed the trees so almost where Nikki's new grad is now. Um, as a student, when I was at La Trobe, I was working with um, Old Zavarian Football Club and the state VAFA, the amateur state team initially. Then I progressed up to Box Hill Hawks, which is our tier two, so the VFL. Um, left football. That's, my, that's my local team. Oh, there you go. <laughs> left football for a few years because, yes, podiatry was busy and, you know, my running career and things were busy. Um, and then returned back to the AFL. So I, I literally have climbed up from, as, you know, you say, it's the, the cold, dark, windy sort of Tuesday night training at your amateur footy club, sort of going from amateurs to state teams to VFL up to AFL over the years. And it's, it's you've got to love what you do. You know, it's the love of the sport and love of being involved in the team environment. So it's not just saying, hey, I want to work in a little sport, you've got to be the right sort of personality, I think, to fit into that model of a sports team and in sports environment, etc. Yeah. Thanks, Emma. Actually, Emma, I, I won't say much about it, but I still remember <coughs> you coming up to me and when you're in second year um, to ask a question about what the future held. <laughs> but I won't say any more about that. Um, <laughs> did, I've got one last question that's come in, and it's actually for you, Ian. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. which, which which team do you think you'll now be supporting? Go to Cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question because all, all joking aside, and I mean this genuinely, I am I am gonna I don't know how I get to watch it in the UK, but I'm gonna look into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start watching a bit more because because it's it's just it's just so much fun, so much fun to watch. Generally speaking, I don't like to to say I support a team unless I've seen them play. So. The first one of you guys that wants to bring me over and put me in the stands. <laughs> you're my, you're my team. You're my team. You're my team. I'm sure. I <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I've just meant, I've just given footwork a little name drop. So when Art flies me over to Melbourne, business, business class, business class, obviously. Um, 
then I'll, I'll pick a Melbourne-based team, and I guess it'll if it's if it's art, it'll be the Hawks, it'll right? The Hawks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the mighty Hawks, as he refers to them. So, um, okay. I've just seen the the person that asked that question said to me has to be has to be Ruse. That's North Melbourne. I'm yeah, assuming. Kangaroos. Yeah, <laughs> emblem. Right, okay. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think. I mean, that, that, that that's a good note to finish on. So, so thanks so much, guys. I I did actually notice in quite a few people from the UK watching. Aren't they supposed uh, to be at work? Absolutely. I'm quite, quite, a few, I know, quite a few names. I know, just, just looking. I know several of them personally, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dropping them a text saying, you know, what's going on? Because this might be the new time for us to do it, right? If, yeah, well, if, if you don't, guys don't work, you know, they work. <laughs> um, but no, but thanks so much for those that have joined late. Just hang around for five more minutes. The, the whole video from the beginning will be rendered. Um, it'll be up on YouTube. I'll probably put that up tomorrow morning for anyone who wants to watch it. So, um, please watch it. So thanks everyone so much for joining us this, the, thanks, this evening. Thanks, guys. Um, it's now past my bedtime because I normally get up and do these early in the morning. So I usually have to be in bed now. So, so thanks very much for joining us, everyone.